This is a Real Footy Trade Period Special. Hello and welcome, my name is Scott Spitz, coming off the bench and joining me today to wrap up the fifth day of the trade period is the one and only Peter Ryan. Great to be here, Spitzy. It is day five. Uh, yesterday it was a bit of drudgery about the sense of trade proceedings, we're another day in, halfway through the trade period. Is that sense that there's sort of going with the flow a bit at the moment? There's a lot of grind uh, happening where negotiations reach a point where people have got some entrenched positions and are waiting for the other person to make a move really there's also that combination with the um, the AFL draft combine where all the list managers and recruiters are actually attending over the next two days so there's plenty of conversations happening but they haven't got a lot of time to put together the paperwork so I think a lot of things are happening now that will come to light Monday, Tuesday and then obviously deadline Wednesday but Right now, it's just a, a holding pattern. Having said all that, there was one move completed on day four and now another move completed on day five. Yeah. Geelong, they've got another player. They've done it again. Who is it? Tanner Bruin, who's a local lad from Geelong who was drafted by the Giants two just two years ago with pick 12. So the Giants are really disappointed to lose him. He's um, a talented midfield. He's had a pretty good go at the Giants. He's played 30 games. But the lure of getting back to Geelong um, was too much, and Geelong only had to give up pick 18, which is their first pick in this year's draft, to get Bruin back. He's got two years in the system, and he's obviously a talent who will be at home at Geelong. Is this just yet another sign of Geelong's quality list management? They seem to be able to attract these guys from other clubs, and you know, here's another mm. good play from a club from a club where a player wanted out, but um, they've done it again. Well, it's it's yes. But Geelong have got significant advantages. If you think of the players such as Tanner Bruin and Ollie Henry, who want to both go back to Geelong, they grew up within three kilometres of the ground, and they've got a huge bunch of players. It'd be probably four or five every year that get drafted from Geelong, and you compare that to the Giants, who are always importing players, beyond the odd exception, and... Um, therefore, they've got no players who are going back to GWS thinking, I want to be close to mum and dad and my mates, whereas Geelong have got a whole range of things. So, yes, they're a great club, and yes, they're doing a fantastic job, but I reckon even if they were doing an okay job, they'd still be getting these players to return. Yeah, it's like two clubs at opposite ends of the spectrum. As as you say, where they're placed, geographically and other reasons, it, they do... They get different results for different players but in, that, in those Yeah, cases. yeah. Well, it's like setting up an ice cream shop in Hawaii and setting up an ice cream shop in the Antarctic and expecting them to both perform at the same level. I mean, the one in Hawaii is doing okay, but no wonder. Indeed. A good analogy. Yeah. Other moves today, there were some pick swaps uh, between the clubs. Can you take us through the, the gist of those moves that happened late today? Well, the specifics, are, um, uh, you might have to help me out a little bit here, but... It, Geelong have um, received pick 25 off the Brisbane Lions, um, and the Brisbane Lions have received three uh, third-round picks um, and a a future second. I think it's a future second and a future third, um, which will help them significantly with their points um, for Will Ashcroft, who's the touted number one pick but goes to their club as a father-son pick, and Jasper Fletcher, who's obviously Adrian Fletcher's son, who played... Funnily enough, for four clubs, but enough games for Brisbane Lions, Brisbane Bears combined. Um, so it, it helps with those points, and it will also help with uh, Jack Gunston because it gives them several options within that range of picks, which would be 30 to 40, that would probably satisfy Hawthorne for Jack Gunston. But it doesn't really move the dial, I wouldn't think, too much with the Josh Dunkley deal because 
the Bulldogs uh, adamant that they need either two first-round picks or a first-round pick and a player. Otherwise, they have actually had the list management committee meeting and decided to walk him through to the um, pre-season draft. I actually still think he'll get to Brisbane, but that's their threat at the moment. Uh, and that pick 25 is interesting because it's um, uh, Geelong potentially offering that to Collingwood for Ollie Henry, who was pick 17 a couple of years ago. I don't think Collingwood will take that. Collingwood are adamant they want a first-round pick or a future first pick. Um, uh, and that's still alive. Geelong has still got a future first-round pick. Um, they've also got Asava Radigalea, who wants to get to Port Adelaide. And under the rules, if they trade out their future first-round pick um, and they don't have a future second-round pick, they're not allowed to do that. So there's a bit of um, a few complications happening there. You've done very well to surmise those pick swaps today and, and what they came in. And as always, uh, the true meaning of what happens with a deal might take a few days to actually reveal itself when clubs um, finalise other deals. Absolutely. And the other thing that everyone um, is made a lot more confusing, but it's a lot more interesting in some ways. Brisbane Lions' uh, objectives are way different to what everyone else's are. So they're um, obviously wanting to accumulate enough picks to pay the required points for the academy oh sorry for the two father son selections that they've got and really talented that'll cost a lot they can go into deficit next year if they don't accumulate enough points um and they're also trying to get gunston and dunkley in the door for trade so it makes it a really complicated um, process for them and they've also got to have enough lift spots lift spots available to um every pick they have has to have a list spot Available, so they can't have more than four pick spot, four picks if they haven't got more than four list spots available. So it is a bit complicated. The rules don't get any less complicated through the years. No, no, you just, you just, if you, it is good to look at, it is good to watch, but um, it also is good to watch the stress that gradually grows on the list managers' faces over that time. So we sit here; it's almost five days to the minute when the trade period for this year will finish. Yep. We do reach that sort of stalemate now with a weekend coming up. How will, and you say that the draft combine is on for these next two days as well, how will list managers and other key decision makers uh, spend the next two days? They don't actually make deals, but it's certainly the negotiations continue. Yeah, the negotiations, they're having lots of informal chats and they'll have some pretty formal chats as well. I think they'll finalise a few things. It's a little bit like the middle patch of the 50 over match in the ODI where they just knock it around for a few overs and then come in at the 40 um, over mark which will be Monday where they just go bang 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 the power play yeah the power play and get a few deals done so I mean I was over there today I've got no idea they could have been talking about their lunch but you know the, the list manager from Brisbane Lions and the list manager for Hawthorne were deep in discussion I'm sure part of that discussion was about what Jack Gunston might be worth and, and how they might get that deal done um, and they just come to some informal agreements. There's, there's lots of things. Like even Isaac Rankin was expected to go today between Adelaide and Gold Coast. Um, that's pretty much done because pick five um, has been put on the table by Adelaide. But there's a little bit of argy-bargy. Not so much um, a difficulty in getting the um, negotiation finalised. But Adelaide's just waiting to see what Gold Coast might have available on their side. So everything's interdependent in a way. Um, and there's still lots of players. If we look through, Luke Jackson still hasn't gone. Isaac Rankin still hasn't gone. Ollie Henry still hasn't gone. Rory Lobb still hasn't gone. Josh Dunkley. There's about 15 or 20 players that still are out there. Asaba Radigalia, 
that haven't moved there's, home. There's a whole lot of big names there, and some players have been discussed for weeks even. Yeah. Do you... Well, obviously, there'll be plenty of movement still and deals that are finalised. Do you think there's a chance that some of those players with projected new homes that you might end up staying at their their current clubs? It's a, it's a big call to make, but um, well, some deals don't quite get there. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I reckon, um, look, if you're uncontracted, there's a high chance you'll get to the club, which is why Josh Dunkley and um, Ollie Henry and these guys, you'd Im- Luke Jackson even, you'd imagine they'll get to their preferred destination because... The alternative is putting them in the pre-season draft and the club they're leaving doesn't get any um, draft pick or player back as compensation or as, you know, relief. Um, but if you're Rory Lobb or a Sava Radaglia and you're still under contract and you're trying to move, um, then there is a significant chance that the club just can dig its heels in and say, we're not letting you go. Um, I think clubs are getting a little bit Less well, Jason Horn Francis, the other one that's a significant player that we haven't mentioned. Um, I think he'll go, and I think it'd be smart for North Melbourne to let him go as long as they get the right price. Um, but they're the players that are uncertain as to whether they can actually reach their new home. The interesting thing about Rory Lobb is that he's bought a house in Melbourne, and there's a discussion from several people I've spoken to that Fremantle said to him at the end of last trade period when they didn't let him move to the eastern seaboard. We'll be happy to trade you at the end of this year. And they've had second thoughts. Mm. So that's a really complicated situation that might blow up next week. And then over Jason Horn, friends, as you said, his, his uh, bombshell decision on the eve of the trade period obviously was, was the headline of day one and even to day one. Do you, we've got a situation where a quality young player, number one picks, looking to leave after one year. Is this the standout? sort of trend that you've seen this year that that um, we're into a new territory where a player mm. with such limited time is suddenly looking at and, and potentially finding a way that that can happen. Yeah, in some ways. Although Jason Horn francis just never seemed to settle in Melbourne right from day one. He hasn't seemed to be um, happy or at his best at North Melbourne. I'm sure he's a good character and, and will be a good footballer, but um, he hasn't really embraced the way that you'd hope a number one pick would, and there might be faults on all sides in that, but I'd say Jason Horn francis um, certainly didn't appear as invested in... Um, On-field he did, but not necessarily in doing all the other stuff that needs to be done off-field. And you can take... You could probably say leadership played a part in that. So I think he's a rare beast, but I think the fact that players want to go home either to South Australia or come back to Victoria is a growing and ongoing issue and you look at West Coast happy to pick slide back from pick two to pick eight because they think that the players they get at pick two are Victorians that might want to go home I mean this is where it's fascinating isn't it yeah it's become a draft that is great for Victorians but not so great for the non-Victorian clubs. And not clubs. Too good for the, just the concept of drafting. It's is terrible. It, it's a universal, you know, uh, socialism where yeah. where players are, you know, finding a new home based on the needs of clubs at the time. It's 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 not a good sign for the no. The way well, the it, well, it works. limits your pool, obviously, and it limits the pool even further for Greater Western Sydney and Gold Coast, who are non-traditional footy states. They need to. There is a reasonable argument you need to get your environment right, but. There's not much GWS can compete with um, when their crowds are as they are with a Richmond or a Carlton. They just can't do it. And if you've grown up dreaming of playing AFL football, and this is said with great respect to the Giants because they're a good club and they've made grand finals, but not many people are growing up dreaming of playing for the Greater, Greater Western Sydney. 
Um, but a lot of the people, lure of the orange isn't there. No, and and when you look at it, West Coast, a, a huge club, one of the biggest clubs in the country, top three or four, and even they're worried about it. Good lifestyle in Perth, warm weather. Correct. It's just a long way from. Yeah, I, I find it a bit strange. It's it's uh, people have a lot more choice these days, and they're just happy to. Mm. And they're in a hurry. Yeah, we've mentioned the big names, and as we said, Luke Jackson, who's a, who's a player looking to go back to the mm. place we mentioned. Do you have a sense now, sort of five days out, as to the order of um, how decisions and trades might unfold, and which of the key players might be left till very late in the piece? Well, I think Luke Jackson will be one that they'll be trying to get done early in the week because a lot hangs on that. If he goes to, when he goes to Fremantle, Brody Grundy's going to go to Melbourne, and that opens the door for Tom Mitchell to go to Collingwood, but. None of that's really moved because everyone's waiting for Luke Jackson. Um, Colin, Melbourne are keen to get Fremantle's future second-round pick um, as well as um, a couple of first-round picks for Luke Jackson, which, I mean, it's debatable its value. But until that gets done, and then Rory Lobb comes into the equation because Fremantle might be prepared to consider that if Luke Jackson's in. I'd say that's the first one that you want to see get done. Um, and Jacob Hopper is another one that is in contract, but I think he'll get done um, to Richmond, to Richmond. F- from the Giants. Um, so, yeah, they're the f- they're the two that I could see getting done early next week. Um, and it's then like the, domin- the dominoes are in place, but waiting for someone to push them over. Yeah, correct. Let's go to some reader questions, uh, and you're welcome to send yours in whenever you like as we continue the podcast through to the end of the trade period. This is from Doug. Doug's from Sydney. He, he asks, uh, as a Sydney resident who's keen for the game to grow in New South Wales, I would like your opinions on the concessions granted to the Swans through their academy. Given the calibre of talent that's appeared there, Golden, Isaac Heaney, Callum Mills, Nick Blakey, Braden Kill, players of that ilk, they get who they get first access to, is it time to revisit those concessions? No. I think it's absolutely essential that those Northern Academies are given the full support of everyone who likes... AFL football and wants it to be a national game because that is where you're going to breed, not the right word, where you're going to consolidate what Sydney have and what the Giants are trying to grow, which is um, homegrown talent, identifiable stars, people who want to play the game at the highest level and continues to grow the game both in New South Wales and Queensland. Not everyone will agree with you, Pete. A lot of people think the academies are an unfair advantage for some clubs. Well, they're yeah, yeah. I know they do, but but they're talking through their hat. <laughs> I mean, they are at advantage, but they if they didn't have them, they'd be um, bereft of uh, the opportunities that other clubs have. The debate shall go on. Yeah, uh, let's go to a question from Matt, a Collingwood supporter, who admits he's showing a small degree of bias uh, when he's talking about the synergy between the Dacos brothers and the joy that they, those two players have brought to so many in the game and. Not to mention other brothers in the game, such as the McCartans and the Guthries. He says he loves the father-son rule, but could the AFL induce a kicker to help brothers be recruited to the same club? Should there be other incentives to get more brothers playing together in the same place? The brother-brother rule. The brother-brother rule. <laughs> We've got the father-son rule. <laughs> oh, and, I know. And the father-daughter uh, rule in the AFLW. Is there... Yeah, I... Well, that's what Ellie Henry's going back to play with his brother. There's the Guthrie's. You're right. The McCartan's been great, but that's just been fortuitous, really. I like the thought of Justin Madden, Simon Madden fighting at Windy Hill that day, or Joel Selwood pushing over Adam Selwood and then tweeting out, you know, typically soft brother. I kind of like that brother on brother on opposite sides of the fence. 
Michael Voss's famous comment to Brett Voss, which probably won't go with here, but it was great and it wasn't. It was just fun. So they could be people could find it out if they really want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Brother, brother rule. You know, as much as I love watching Nick and Josh Dacos, I don't think that really should go because then we'll go to Step Brothers and you know. Where does it end? <laughs> Where does it exactly. end? Sisters, which would be great. So also this time of year, people love to ponder about um, constructing their own trade scenarios. So we'll give this one a try. It's very complicated, and we'll see whether we can get through it. It's from Giuseppe, who proposes a 14 mega, tra- mega trade, and he's seeking some feedback. Uh, let's go through it. So he would have Port Adelaide giving up picks 8, 33, 43, and a future first-round pick. That's one move. West Coast giving pick 2, pick 40, and Rioli. North Melbourne giving up Horn Francis. Brisbane Lions giving up Robertson. Port Adelaide receiving... Ris- Rioli and Horn France, so go, so getting there to port after they give up those picks. Yeah, West Coast receiving pick eight, a future first round pick, and Robertson, who's from the Lions. Yeah, North Melbourne getting pick two and pick forty three. So obviously a very high pick as part of the yep, they'd deal. To, they'd have pick one and two out of, out of, after losing yep. uh, last year's number one pick. Yeah, um, and finally Brisbane Lions received pick thirty three and forty, uh, which they say which. Giuseppe says it could be used as a father-son or packaged up as part of the deal to get Dunkley to the club. Did you digest that one okay? I did. That's actually not bad. Um, they don't want to lose Devin Robinson, but everything else within that is not a bad idea from Giuseppe because uh, certainly the West Coast are keen to get a player in the door when they lose Junior Rioli, and they also are wanting to be able to sell to their members the logic of sliding back to pick eight. So yeah, no, it's, he's it's done it. his homework, Giuseppe. And we yeah, encourage others no, to, uh, to have no, a go as well. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> One Giuseppe idea a day, <laughs> a is, day great. is enough. But it actually is a good, and it, it might actually get to that point where a player comes from somewhere other than the three clubs involved, because Port Adelaide don't want to give away Dersma, Butters, these gun players. So that might happen. I mean, not might happen, but it could could eventually. So, Pete, we're down five days. Uh, pace yourself through the weekend and the final three days of the trade period next week. And uh, thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to your to your news coverage throughout the remaining few days of the uh, exchange period. You know I'm good at pacing myself during the Spring Carnival, Spitzy. Indeed, indeed. So, yes, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned to our live coverage on every day of the draft, starting again on Monday. And the best news and analysis at theage.com.au. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so via email at realfootypod at theage.com.au. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again on Monday. Music.